Hello again and welcome to the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada. I'm Kevin. And I'm Connor. Uh, today we will be updating the final round of CONCACAF qualifying uh, for the USA for World Cup 2022. Um, before the round, we did a team preview and a player preview uh, for each team. Uh, we won't be repeating all that information here, but we do urge you to check out those podcasts at our website at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. Uh, so let's summarize the information covered in each of those earlier podcasts. Uh, we gave a more detailed summary uh, in our first podcast of this series, uh, which was for Canada's team. Yeah, so we'll reduce that a little bit here, but you can check out that podcast for a, a full summary. Uh, we gave some information on the country, uh, geographically, its location and population. Uh, then we moved to a summary of their history in World Cup competition and in regional competition, uh, with a particular focus on their recent history. Uh, we took a brief look at their players, especially their goal scorers. That was in the team podcast and, of course, a more detailed look in the player podcast. And uh, their rankings and head-to-head -head record uh, with other teams in the group. Finally, we uh, had a discussion of the schedule and their prospects in the team podcast. Yeah, for each of the player podcasts, we organized the team into positions and looked at the players who had been filling uh, those positions in recent times. Uh, we gave some biographical information on them, uh, specifically their history with the national team, um, and predicted who were the main candidates for each position. Um, again, in this podcast, we won't be repeating all of that. Uh, rather, we will be looking back on how this round has gone for each team um, and how correct we were in our predictions of their performance and their players. Uh, sometimes we were right, but uh, sometimes players we expected to be used were not, and new players also came in. Right. And uh, so I hope uh, listeners view this as kind of a companion podcast to that other one. As we said, we gave biographical information on the players there. But this time we'll only do that for, for new players that have uh, come onto the scene. That's right. Um, and finally here, we will look towards the future and discuss the prospects um, of teams and players from this midpoint forward. Um, so let's begin. Um, here we'll be looking at USA after eight games. Okay, well, the USA um, started with two draws and were tied for fourth place after that, which uh, uh, Americans were not happy about. Uh, but then they won four of their next five games, uh, things really turning around actually uh, for the second half of Honduras because I believe they were down one nothing at the half there and uh, came back with those four goals in the second half. Is that right, Connor? Yeah, I don't recall, um, but I do know that they uh, they have had some comebacks <laughs> for sure in this round. Yeah, uh, whether they got all four goals in the second half, I'm not sure, but it was a real turnaround uh, for them there. However, they did uh, uh, lose in Panama, and uh, uh, despite winning uh, their games at home, they also tied in Jamaica. So they only have one win on the road against Honduras. And uh, if Americans are surprised by that, uh, I'm not particularly because they do seem to struggle on the road. Yeah, so uh, after eight games, uh, the USA sits with four wins, three draws, um, and one loss, um, which is good for second place. So far, a point behind Canada in first and a point above Mexico in third. Um, do you think Americans will be happy with that so far? 
I think they'll be happy with the result, but not so much uh, with the performance. I mean, there are a few performances to be happy about. But, um, you know, even that performance against Honduras, the, the first half was kind of worrying, uh, worrying there. And I, I do think Americans will be disappointed with the road record, uh, which is disappointing, but actually not that different uh, than, than other qualification runs, especially the, the hex, the final round, uh, which is now eight teams. How about you? Yeah, I think on... If I was an American fan, I, I would be a little bit disappointed so far. Um, you know, of the teams they, you know, on the road, um, they lost to Panama, which I think was a disappointing result. Um, then they tied El Salvador and Jamaica and beat Honduras. But those three teams are the bottom three teams. Um, so, you know, they, they were dropping points on the road to teams that, you know, are, are near the bottom. I mean, Jamaica, El Salvador and Honduras have two wins between them. Um, you know, from their games, and America was dropping points there. Um, so I think they'll be disappointed with that. I think they would have expected more points in those uh, in those games, and like you said, more points on the road. Um, the home performances have been good. You know, beating Mexico two nothing, um, yeah. you know, was a really important game from for them. Um, kind of off to an, I'd say, a, a bit of a rocky start. That was a really important win, um, and sees them going into the final six games actually ahead of Mexico. Yeah, so yeah, they they certainly will be happy enough with uh, with second place. They probably expected that uh, if they were going to be in second, it would be behind Mexico rather than Canada. But um, uh, it's going to be tight at the top. Yeah, uh, ab absolutely. Yeah. And USA has to go to Canada and go to Mexico. Um, so those yeah. are the important games for them. Right, we'll talk about that actually at the end of the podcast when we uh, look into the future. Let's take a look at some of their scorers. A bit of a surprise there at the top corner. Yeah, Ricardo Pepe um, leading the way with three goals. Um, Brendan Aronson has two, and then it's it's a handful of players with with one goal, including a couple of defenders. So um, you know the scoring is well spread out. Um, Twelve goals in eight games. You know, not bad, but perhaps a little underwhelming. Um, would you agree? I would, and I think they would. They would like to uh, see a bit more from from the forwards. I mean, they're happy with Pepe, but um, you know, he's he's new to the team, as we'll see. Uh, so, from some of their older forwards, they haven't gotten much production and kind of um, uh, experimenting with uh, those guys. They also have a red card to uh, Miles Robinson. Uh, that was in the game against Mexico, so he missed the game against Jamaica. Is that a two-game suspension there? Um, if it was a straight red, it's usually more than one game. Um, I'm not familiar offhand. It may be a second yellow coming late, but coming as late in the game as it did, it really had no impact on them. Yeah, not for that game, but maybe for the next, because Miles Robinson has become an important uh, defender for them, as we'll see. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about formations. This is going to be a lot easier than uh, the Canada podcast, which kind of had a, a different formation every time. For the USA, it's 4-3-3 uh, three, three all the way. Yeah, very consistent. The players have changed, but the formation hasn't. Um, you know, head coach Greg Berhalter really sticking um, with that formation. Right. 
Uh, okay, well, let's move to the player section of the podcast, and, and we'll begin with kind of a, an overview or a theme. And do you want to take us through that, Connor? Sure. So in our previous podcast, we portray USA as having something of a selection dilemma, uh, having used a B team in the Gold Cup, which proved successful in terms of the result. Uh, they won the Cup. Um, more so than in terms of performance, we question whether the manager would remain loyal to the A team uh, that played in the Nations League final rounds before the Gold Cup, or whether he would re- rely more heavily on the Gold Cup squad. Uh, one commentator in the Gold Cup surmised that one or maybe two of the starting lineup there uh, would make it to the A team for this qualifying. So we'll have a little bit of a, a look and see how that's turned out. Right. And you really made a point of saying in that uh, initial podcast that uh, the USA has really not played many uh, games with their A team. Uh, they had those those uh, Nation League final games, but they they haven't done qualification like uh, some of the lower teams, Panama, Canada and El Salvador, who actually honed their team a little bit through the previous rounds. Yeah, um, and that kind of leads into the manager, um, you know, because we we've kind of question I think the the constant rotation that uh, that we've seen. Um, although the team has done well in terms of results, you know, as measured by their second place in the table, um, some performances have been poor, uh, which have led to calls for the manager's head. Um, I think probably more of the sober fans consider this premature or or even ridiculous. It does reflect the difficulty he has had uh, navigating team selection in particular. Uh, frankly, some choices have been baffling and, and led to criticism, um, especially especially the weak midfield in Game 3 against Honduras, uh, which required three substitutes at halftime to turn that game around, as you mentioned, um, as well as a weak lineup in Game 5 against Panama, a game which they lost. Um that said, something of a starting eleven has has begun to take shape uh, in the last three games. Interesting. Great. Uh, so Greg Berhalter uh, remains, but maybe is a bit unpopular with uh, some fans. Uh, uh, in the initial podcast, we were really wondering uh, whether they were going to start with uh, Zach Steffen or uh, Matt Turner. And um, uh, do you want to take us through the goalkeepers? Yeah, I think the the goalkeepers illustrates the selection problem well. Um, Again, we speculated whether the manager would choose Matt Turner, who performed well in the Gold Cup, uh, or Zach Steffen, who was really the A-team keeper and who is on uh, the roster of the illustrious Manchester City. Um, Berhalter chose Turner for the first five matches and then switched to Steffen for the last three. Um, Steffen was not selected for four of the first five matches, so not in the squad. Um, but he was out with coronavirus for two of those. Um, selection of substitutes is a bit more interesting. Um, in most cases, they've only had one substitute keeper. Um, it was Zach Steffen or Matt Turner, whichever didn't start. Um, but for the first three games, it was Ethan Horvath, uh, Horvath and uh, if they had a second, it was Sean Johnson. Yeah, sorry, that is uh, Horvath. And, uh, yeah, uh, those guys have had some experience in, um, uh, in gold cups. Uh, um, yeah, I can't, uh, I can't call it up right now, but, uh, they both had a bit of experience. America is never really out of lack for goalies, are they? 
No, they've had some great goalies. A lot of play in the Premier League, as you have with Zach Zephanow. And it does seem to be kind of a, a two-horse race. But interesting that he's kind of, you know, gone between the two of them. Yeah, it, it is very interesting. So, yeah, actually really illustrated our question well of whether he would go with the uh, uh, Gold Cup squad. Certainly more than one of them has, uh, has made inroads into the squad. Uh, let's take a look at central defenders. And we noted that Miles Robinson uh, got a, a red card there against Mexico, uh, which was unfortunate because he's been the primary defender. Uh, he's a player who made his reputation in the Gold Cup, and he's played six of the eight games, of course, suspended for game eight because of the red card in game seven against Mexico. The defenders uh, accompanying him has really been a, a mix and match. Uh, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, starting with veterans Tim Ream for game one and John Brooks for games two and three. Both have been off the squad from game three onwards, though. And Brooks took a lot of criticism uh, for his play. After that, it was a mix and match amongst uh, Miles Robinson, Walker Zimmerman and Christopher Richards. Uh, Mark McKenzie, who had started as a left-back in the third game, was also drafted in as a central defender for Game 5. Uh, notably absent, though, was Aaron Long, uh, who has been out since May 2021 uh, with an Achilles tendon problem. So um, they may be looking at him when he recovers to, to come in and accompany Miles Robinson. Meanwhile, Matt Miazga has not appeared on the squad since the uh, CONCACAF Nations League games in June, so he made no appearance at the Gold Cup. Right, we'll move on then to left-backs. Um, previously, we said they had little here beyond uh, Tim Ream, the team having tried out a number of alternatives but not really settling. Um, we saw Anthony Robinson was the next most likely candidate. Um, Tim Ream, as we saw above, appeared only as a central defender in Game 1, and was never used in the left-back position. Uh, here, several players were tried, uh, including Serginio Dest, um, who's normally a right-back, um, George Bello and Mark McKenzie. Um, but Burholter eventually seemed to settle on Anthony Robinson, uh, who started there in four of the last five games. Uh, Sam Vines, who held the position in the Gold Cup, uh, suffered a collarbone fracture and was out for the first six games, um, but did make it to the bench for the last two. Okay, so a lot to choose from there. And we'll move on to uh, right backs. Uh, Connor's already mentioned uh, Sergio Dest, and that is uh, the position uh, that he seems to be, uh, um, well, he's coded for that position. Uh, the, the, the position of right back also shows a lot of uncertainty. Uh, DeAndre Led Yedlin started games one and also started the last two games. Uh, while Serginio Dest uh, started games two, four, and six. Tyler Adams played game three, and it was Chanel Moore uh, in game five. So perhaps Sergio, sorry, I keep saying Sergio, but it's Serginio. Serginio Dest is the number one choice there. Uh, he was actually injured for three of the games, including the last two, uh, where Yedlin DeAndre held the position. Uh, Tyler Adams is actually a defensive midfielder, so he's not really a candidate for the position. 
Uh, Shaq Moore held the position uh, for most Gold Cup games, but uh, on the A-team, he's a bit of an outside candidate, and he wasn't even selected for the squad for six of uh, their eight games in this qualification. Uh, a final name is, uh, or a couple of, couple of names, is Reggie Cannon. Um, Reggie Cannon has often held the position, including for two games in the recent Gold Cup. He was injured for the first six games and only on the bench for the last two. Uh, Nick Lima has not appeared for the national team since 2019. Uh, but I got to say, with Serginho Dest and uh, DeAndre Yedlin there, um, it's hard to see either of those two guys um, becoming a starter. Yeah. I guess we've uh, we've kind of talked perhaps critically about um, the, the uncertainty in the positions. I guess on the flip side, do you see it as, as the USA having a lot of depth there and kind of using their full squad or, or how do you what how do you make sense of uh, Burhalter's uh, choices um, in the defensive positions? I mean, in the one we just discussed, it seems to be more driven by uh, by injuries. Uh, I can't really see any reason why why Tyler Adams would would be going back to play uh, right defense. Uh, but but to that question, I, I would say he hasn't gotten things together enough to be maximizing their use of depth. But I, I think they certainly have it. Yeah, I think it's a good point, and I it is surprising the rotation. You know, some injury, some coronavirus, um, but you know these are very important games. You know, you're playing a couple games in a row. Um, you know, trying to find a rhythm. So I, you know, it's it's a good problem to have lots of candidates, but I I think it does speak to, um, yeah, perhaps not finding the best team so far. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, props to us because we kind of identified that uh, as as a bit of a theme. Uh, going into this, and I would say they still really haven't uh, haven't uh, sorted it out. But again, injuries plays a role. Uh, Christian Pulisic, who's coming up here, for example, uh, is is a is a good example of uh, injuries kind of driving the team selection. Yeah, well, that's a good segue into the midfield, um, and we'll start with defensive midfielders. So, in our original podcast, we we neglected to mention Tyler Adams, which. You know, it was a bit of an oversight, actually. He's a, He plays for RB Leipzig in Germany and is a is a big player there. So um, probably a name we should have mentioned. Um, he had played in the CONCACAF Nations League games, um, but had been absent before that and then was not in the Gold Cup. Um, however, he was the captain for most games here and the defensive midfielder uh, in the middle of the park for six starts. Yeah, that's really a surprise because he actually never has uh, played in a, in, a, in a tournament before. Yeah, but seems to be making the position his own now. Yeah. Uh, James Sands replaced him in the center for game three um, when Tyler played at, uh, left. Tyler Adams played at uh, right back, as you had mentioned. Um, Kellen Acosta was in the center for game five, uh, which was the only uh, game Adams didn't start. Um, that was the only appearance for Sands, um, but Acosta started two other games to the left of Adams in a three-man midfield. Um, various other players, often more attacking players, um, who will come through shortly, uh, filled the position to the left and right of Adams. Among defensive midfielders, uh, Gianluca Busio, who held the role in the Gold Cup, got his only start there in Game 8, the final game. And then Michael Bradley, we should mention, uh, he was captain and, and a stalwart defensive midfielder for them. Uh, he's not appeared since October 2019, 
Um, he's 34 years old, so um, looking like he's off the team. Uh, yeah, we had a good discussion about Michael Bradley in the um, uh, in the first podcast, and um, I don't know. I I I, I kind of feel uh, he would benefit the team uh, if not as a starter, as a kind of a, a veteran on the bench. Yeah, I I do agree with you there. All right, well, let's move on to uh, central midfielders and. Um, uh, players listed as central midfielders also rarely uh, fill out the three-man midfield that the USA usually used. Sebastian Leggett started two games and Christian Roldan none, though they were rarely uh, regularly called up to the squad and came in as substitutes, each appearing four times. Uh, we're going to see that it was more attacking midfielders who filled out those spots. But before we look at the uh, attacking Players, we, uh, b before we look at those, we'll... Sorry, I've, I've completely lost my uh, semantics and syntax and everything. It's gone. Yeah. We'll go to the wings. I think that's what you uh, would have said. <laughs> that's, um, what I was, that's what I was thinking in my head. Yeah. So uh, we'll start with the left midfielders. Um, USA invariably used a 4-3-3 lineup, so the wide players uh, may have been used as midfielders or, for or forwards. Um, so we'll basically proceed according to kind of the, the normal listed position of the players. Uh, Kristen Pulisic is the captain of the team, but he started only two games, um, and that was mostly down to fitness problems. Uh, he was not in the squad for the first game and was listed as out with an ankle injury for three others, um, returning from that one only as a sub uh, for the last two games. Um, he did start uh, some of the earlier games um, as left forward in games two and three. Right. Okay. On then to the right midfielders. And um, a name that I'm not very familiar with has really come into the scene, uh, but we'll get to him soon. After some experimentation, uh, the default lineup in the midfield uh, ended up being Tyler Adams in the middle, uh, playing a more defensive role with uh, Weston McKinney on the left and Eunice Musa on, on the right. So Musa is a bit of an unfamiliar name. A uh, bit of an unfamiliar name to me. He's he's never played in a tournament, and he's been with the team since just 2020. Uh, he plays for Valencia in Spain, though, and seems to be becoming important on the uh, U.S. squad here. Um, that lineup that I mentioned became uh, settled in games four and six and seven. Musa started on the right in the last five games, so he seems to have nailed down the position. And we saw above that other midfielders uh, fill in uh, when when those players are not uh, the starting lineup. Uh, Weston McKenney is listed as a right midfielder and started game one there, but then played more on the left. Uh, if you recall, Connor, he was uh, not selected for discipline reasons uh, for some games. I think it was COVID violation, was it? Yeah, that, that seems to ring a bell. Um, I do remember he, he, yeah, he wasn't selected. Um, yeah, and I think what happened there is that, you know, he did it once and got a warning and then uh, kind of did it again, which which they were very upset about. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, Brendan Aronson played as a midfielder in, in game um, one, though he was otherwise a forward. 
Paul Ariola is listed as a winger. He also played only as a forward. And we'll look at those guys in a bit more detail uh, shortly. Well, yeah, well, let's we'll look in. at them now. Well, yeah, we'll move into the attacking midfielders and outside forwards first before kind of looking at the out-and-out strikers. Um, so the outside forwards in the three-man attack are, are generally attacking midfielders um, while the centr- central player, you know, is, is listed as a forward. So in the first game, the outside forwards were Giovanni Reina and Conrad De La Fuente. Uh, Reina was out with a muscle injury for the remaining games, um, while De La Fuente became a sub, then on the bench, then off the squad by game four. So kind of uh, curious. Um, Reina does, though, uh, seem likely to be a consideration once fit. Uh, Various combinations were tried after that, um, involving Kristen Pulisic for two games, Paul Areola had two games, Joff Sargent had one game, um, and then, of course, Christian Pulisic's injury and absence kind of complicated things further. After trying various combinations, it, it seemed to settle into uh, Brendan, uh, uh, sorry, Brendan Aronson and Tim Weah as the outside forwards, and they were used for the last three games. Uh, Brendan Aronson had started the first game as part of the midfield line, but uh, was the most stable player in the forward line after that, starting five of the seven remaining games. Timothy Weah was injured for the first three, a sub for the fourth, and then starter for the last four games. Great. All right, well then, let's move on to forwards. And uh, the team tried out various players in the centre forward position until rather quickly finding and settling on uh, the 18-year-old Ricardo Pepe. Uh, Though he had been on the 50-man, no, 59-man preliminary roster for the Gold Cup, and he was also on the bench for games one and two in this qualification set, Uh, For most, he came completely out of the blue, and Game 3 was his first cap. Uh, Josh Sargent was the... uh, Sorry, I'll just catch up with the graphics we have for our our YouTube uh, watchers. Uh, Josh Sargent was the centre forward in the first game and uh, got more, got one more start as an outside forward in Game 3. But he was off the team by Game 4, uh, as frustrating uh, for the USA as he has been when I watch him uh, playing for his club team, Norwich. Any comments on that, uh, Connor? Yeah, frustrating in finishing. Um, he certainly has had chances um, you know, for Norwich and for the States and hasn't seemed to take them. So I think he's got a bit of work to do. Um, to kind of get himself back, you know, back in that squad and maybe get his confidence up. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope so. But he seems to have uh, worked himself out of a out of a starting position now. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Sabachu was uh, next, uh, but a 1-1 draw with Canada made that his only start. And he also was gone by game four. Uh, Giassi Zardes started game five. Uh, he had actually been injured for the first three games, uh, and then he wasn't selected for the last two. So they seem to be going through forwards, you know, except for Pepe. But a lot of times, you know, the forwards are the most subbed players. So a lot of times um, uh, these these forwards on the bench are quite important. Uh, Ricardo Pepe started five of the last six games, and he seems fairly ensconced 
in the position over a host of other candidates, uh, many of whom were expected, but who never got the chance. And we talked about them uh, in the uh, initial podcast. And I'll just uh, kind of quickly go through them, uh, go through them here. So Jordan Morris was injured for the Gold Cup, and that injury continued through the first six games. He was never selected, but uh, he actually did play a friendly uh, that they've played uh, since their last game. So he may be working his way back in. The Gold Cup forwards, uh, Daryl DK was never called up. And Matthew Hopp was called in, up three times, but only saw action in one game for 17 minutes. And uh, in the first podcast, we had also speculated on Josie Altador and uh, Tyler Boyd. Uh, they're 32 years old and 26 years old, respectively, but neither has been selected since 2019. So uh, quite a uh, quite a lot of names there, hey? Yeah, lots to choose from. And as you mentioned, the 18-year-old Ricardo Pepe, who is their leading goal scorer so far, is kind of the, the, surprise, uh, the surprise name they seem to have landed on. Yeah. Uh, so as I said earlier, uh, you know they may be disappointed with uh, the production of of those uh, other names coming in, and it'll be interesting to see uh, how they look going forward. Uh, we're only gonna mo- most of the substitutes uh, are coming from the players we've named uh, so far. They didn't start all the games, but there are a couple of substitutes uh, that I think uh, deserve mention. Yeah, uh, Jesus Ferreira and Luca De La Torre, um, they've came off the, the bench, um, you know, twice for Ferreira, once for De La Torre, but, um, you know, they have they have made appearances for them. Um, and then in terms of uh, new players, kind of Ricardo Pepe was someone we hadn't mentioned. We hadn't expected to be involved, um, but he's he's been quite heavily involved, as we've already seen. Right, and uh, I'm not sure if we uh, are considering... Um, Musa, um, also a new player. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would agree. We haven't, we didn't mention him, but he's uh, also another young player that's uh, kind of taken a leading role. Yeah, and that's about it. And I think the USA, you know, uh, with the problems they have, don't want to add a whole lot of new players because that would just engender more problems. Um, uh, noticeably absent, uh, I would say Michael Bradley. Uh, in that category, maybe Josie Altador, and then some of the forwards from the um, from the Gold Cup. Yeah, Matthew Hopp, um, they were quite big on him after the Gold Cup, um, so I'm surprised that he hasn't got a bit more game time. Yeah. Okay, well, let us do a kind of a default lineup. Uh, as with Canada, there's probably uh, more than 11 names here because some players are being kind of uh, rotated. But um, here we go. Do you want to take us through it? Yeah. So goalkeepers, as we mentioned, they, they've been using two, both Zach Steffen and Matt Turner. Um, Zach Steffen started the last three, so he may be the starter going forward. But that's you know just speculation, I suppose. Um, central defenders, Miles Robinson seems to be the most established name uh, with Walker Zimmerman, Chris Richards, and Mark McKenzie all coming in. Um the left back position uh, seems to be Anthony Robinson's and right back seems to be Serginho Dest, uh, though DeAndre Yedlin has made some appearances as well. Um, into the midfield, uh, Tyler Adams is 
um, kind of firmly cemented in that central midfield role. Uh, Kellen Acosta having played as well. Um, and then the other midfield three seem to be Kristen Pulisic, Weston McKennie, and, and Eunice Musa, kind of two of the three. But uh, with Pulisic um, missing some through injury, we might expect to see him be more involved down the stretch. And then for forwards, um, their, their front three, which uh, uh, which Burhalter favors, um, does seem to be Ricardo Pepe down the middle with Brendan Aronson and Timothy Weah on the flanks. Right. And uh, uh, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, it, it does seem to have gelled a little bit over the last, uh, especially the final three games. Um, but as you say, you know, uh, working Christian Pulisic back into the equation and a couple of other uh, injured players, I think there's one central defender we mentioned, uh, Aaron Long, who, uh, who, if he recovers, will, will likely be, be part of the mix there, if not um a kind of an entrenched player great well let us uh look towards the future then uh, for the last part of this podcast and uh that is the upcoming games and i think um uh you mentioned uh, the two next away games are canada uh and mexico so two of the two of the toughest teams right now uh what do you make of it connor yeah, and their last away game is uh, in Costa Rica, so that's not easy too. Um, they'll be difficult, and their home form has been, or sorry, their away form has been kind of inconsistent. One win so far, but as you mentioned, this is not kind of a, a new phenomenon for the United States. They historically are kind of uh, inconsistent uh, on the road. Um, you know, I think they'll probably pick up, you know, sufficient points, um, you know, and then their home games. They're home to El Salvador, Honduras, Panama. They are strong at home, and those are three games that they should probably win. So, you know, they're in a good enough position. They won't need to be, you know, perhaps stellar on the road. But, you know, for their point, if they could go undefeated or pick up ties in those games, I think they would consider that to be positive. I agree. I think they'll be fully expecting to get the nine points at home. And, uh, you know, that in itself may be enough. Uh, but even even just for psychological reasons, I think they'll want to improve their road performance, uh, uh, you know, going in, especially, you know, uh, if they know that they are going into the uh, World Cup, uh, they'll want to go in with, with a bit of a, a stronger psychology than just one win on the road. Yeah, I agree. I think four wins from eight games, you know, isn't a, spe- you know, spectacular team a return for a team like the United States that, you know, historically, you know, dominates this region. It certainly does at the, the gold cup level. Um, you know, but that said, just the way the standings have gone, Canada's dropped points, Mexico's dropped points. So they find themselves just a point off the top, despite some of their performances and even results, you know, not being spectacular. So they're probably where they want to be at this stage. And I don't see a huge threat uh, for them not to qualify automatically. Yeah, I agree. It would be, uh, yeah, they don't want another disaster like uh, 2018. And even though it's probably not going as well as they hope, it doesn't look like it's headed in that direction either. But uh, you've been dancing around the question, Connor. I'm tired of it. Give it to me straight. Where is the USA going to end up here? I I think the inconsistency that they've shown will probably continue, especially with those three difficult road games, as we mentioned. Um, I don't think they'll run away and finish first. I think it'll be close. Um, I'm going to say third. 
I think they'll they'll fall a little bit behind Mexico and Canada based on those uh, those difficult road games. Yeah, I gotta say I agree. I, I um, you know, I think I, I think they'll get maybe one point uh, on the road against Canada and Mexico. Um, I don't think they can they can kind of rely on on getting points there. But I think the nine points at home will help. But I think uh, Mexico will be loath to finish. Uh, behind them and will really want to recover uh, from the away loss in the USA. So uh, I'm also uh, picking them third. And uh, I, I can't believe it. I feel shame. I feel embarrassment, humiliation. But at the end of the Canada podcast, I did not ask you where Canada would end up. You know, your trickery deflected me from answering, mm-hmm. asking the question. So I'm going to do it here. Canada, O'Connor, where is Canada going to finish here? I'm going to put Canada in second, ahead of the United States, not ahead of Mexico, who I think, um, you know, will will recover and and finish strongly. Um, but um, I think it will be close. Um, but I'm going to say Mexico first, Canada second, USA third, um, and then uh, you know all those teams com- qualifying relatively comfortably in the end. Right, we'll get to the uh, the teams below that later. Um, but I, I'm going to disagree with you there. I, I, I can't believe I'm going to say it, but then you were a bit skeptical uh, um, at the beginning of this thing when I when I think I said Canada could be third. Did I? I think you said as high as second at one point. Good heavens! Um, well, now I'm going to go as high as first because uh, I really. Uh, you know, it's not so much a prediction, but, well, it's a bit of a prediction. Uh, they've got a great team spirit. They've played a lot of their tough games uh, so far. And uh, I think they, you know, they have the um, motivation and the spirit to to win it all. So that's where I'm going to go. And if, if I if I have to fall on my sword at the end, so, so be it. They'll definitely be in the top three, but I'm picking them first, Connor. <laughs> All right. Well, should be good. Um, USA, you know, they, they want to qualify. That's the main goal. You know, third wouldn't be great and would perhaps lead to questions about their manager's, um, you know, future, which is perhaps in doubt already. So they'll want to finish strongly and will will be striving to prove us wrong that they can uh, finish first or second in this group. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, maybe we talked too much about Canada there. Sorry, I got carried away. Mm-hmm. I'll just finish the podcast by saying uh, we do have actually a new website where we've compiled uh, all of the podcasts that we've done uh, so far, and that is at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. So soccerfiles is spelled soccer, S-O-C-C-E-R, files, all one word, P-H-I-L-E-S, uh, dot captivate c-a-p-t-i-v-a-t-e dot f-m so i hope you uh visit the website and, and we've been recommending actually uh doing the first part of this podcast on players and using it in tandem with this second part so we hope you do that and we hope you enjoy um and that's uh that brings us to the close of this podcast you want to sign us out connor that's right i'll see you next time Okay, take care. All the best.